going from one great sale to another. Last week, you might remember, we encouraged you to go check out Fanatical's big 10th birthday celebration bash. Well, they didn't want to outdo themselves, so this week they are kicking off their dollar deals. That's right, tons of great indie games for just a buck. A dollar! I mean, if you play it for an hour, you made your money. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and find the link to Fanatical. You'll see it. It's big, bright, and celebrating the dollar deals this week. What have you got to lose? A buck? As always, we appreciate you clicking through that link, checking out Fanatical, and filling out your Steam library. Now, on with the show. Another week has passed. Welcome, 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 everybody, and thank you for tuning in and listening to us here at Nerd Cognito. My name is Ryan David, and as always, I am joined by Trusty Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? I don't know. You're trusty this week. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Am I your trusty sidekick? The plucky comic I, I wouldn't call you sidekick. Your co-host. We're equals, so... Uh, this week we have a great show lined up that uh, focuses on Trusty Burt's a little bit. We're gonna, well, we're gonna ask you how your gaming schedule looks because I know it's it's pretty full, my friend. Pretty pretty. A little full. bit. A little bit. <laughs> More on that later. We're also gonna take a look at. Oh, uh, I've got a list, Burt. A list. A list. Okay. A, a list of the quote best board games under $50 quote. So, you know, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> mm, probably. <laughs> then of course we've got some news and after the news, you're going to have to, you're going to have to drop this one. My brain just totally zapped what, what our final segment is. Uh, our review of Mezzo. Oh, how could I forget? Uh, better late than never. We finally, finally got Mezzo to the table which is a very interesting board game that's characterized as dudes on a map, but really, I I didn't get that vibe. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. So yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind of a week. I I just need to really pump the brakes, and I I don't see any end in sight. So you you also have a different type of whirlwind coming up and that's what we're going to talk about first so in 10 days you have how many gaming sessions seven two online and five in person two online five in person seven out of 10 days uh, are you not sleeping or just not seeing your wife at all? <laughs> oh, no. We we have that all planned out. My wife works 60 hours a week, so I keep myself busy with game days. So I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but one of the things I wanted to talk about in this segment is, well, with gaming, how much is too much? No offense, Bert, right? Uh, no, I'm not offended. You've got a very busy gaming schedule, and... I just, I, I looked at the calendar and counted out 10 days, and I said, oh, I, I don't know that I could do it. Now, these are seven unique different gaming groups doing seven different gaming tasks of all sorts of things, virtual 
and online in the tabletop gaming world. So some board games, I'm guessing, or is this all role-playing? No, no, some of it is board games. So we've got some ga- board gaming one, groups. One board game. Okay, and, and then six of the other tabletop role-playing groups. Right, one of them is the one shot that I'm running, so that's 5th edition. Which we talked about last week, and you, you, it finally launched. You got it off the ground. How did the first session go? Good. Uh, everybody had a good time. Uh, there were, you know, uh, getting used to the rules and getting things set up kind of took a little bit of getting used to, especially since they were brand new players. I'm like, roll a d20. Which one is that? Okay, let's go through the <laughs> dice. How many died? <laughs> Uh, no one died. Aww. One came close. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Then, then we're okay. You know, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but it is important to to experience death in gaming because that is part of the the experience. So, anyway, back on track with our how much is too much. So I know for a fact I would be dead man walking in this house if I said. I have seven gaming days over the next ten. Um, how does how does a schedule like that even gel up? And is there a game life balance that you have to sort of keep in mind? I mean, of course you have to keep a game life balance in mind. I mean, I have to maintain my house. You know, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. We have to plan for the holidays. Spend some time with my wife. Sleep at some point. <laughs> You know, Sleep all the overrated. usual things, all the usual things. But, you know, most of the game days are on days where either I'm off and my wife is working or she's working late and it's an early evening thing. So it's just a matter of sort of planning time around that, you know. Um, and to be fair, you know, I'm not going to throw your wife's uh, business out there, but Right. Your better half works a very demanding job that has a Absolutely. lot of hours, uh, and Absolutely. we all know that. So I guess it is better than sitting on your keister at home. Right. I mean, you know, keeping busy keeps you out of trouble, right? I, you know? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> depends on your definition of busy. <laughs> Last time I kept busy, uh, I almost had a divorce on my hands, so... Uh, yeah, then uh, that's the wrong kind of busy. That was it. Was the wrong kind of busy. Uh, <laughs> so, so what are you playing? You've got your one shot. That's number one, and you've got a board game group. That's number two. Right, the one shot, the board game group. You've I've got, got your drag queen space pirate. That's number three. I'm guessing. Right, that was you know that starts without number. Yep. Got I've your got... knockoff Khajiit in Pathfinder. That's number four. Right. See, I do know you, my friend. Uh, and I've got, I've got the, I've got the Noobs Pathfinder game, right? Plus, I've got an online Fate game and an online Fiasco game. Okay, so now is the Fate a campaign or is it just a couple of sessions strung together or is it one Fate's of those a campaign? Things? Okay, okay, and then Fiasco is Fiasco. I would right, almost lump shot. Fiasco almost in as a board game, almost, almost close. Yeah, yeah I mean, just as in far of. As far as it goes with, you know, setting up the session and the, the right, level of Right, there's not a commitment. lot of prep work. Right. Yeah, there's not a lot of prep work for Fiasco. Right. You can jump into it pretty easy. So, you're you're a little of the way into this stretch of gaming. How's it going? Not good so far. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, 
Well, Friday, we were at the gaming table playing Mezzo. Saturday, I played Stars Without Number. Today, I did my one-shot for 5th Edition Dungeons & Dragons. So it's moving right along. You know, three of the seven are already down, only four left. And your house hasn't blown up or become buried in trash, so life nope. goes on. Life goes on. Absolutely. Plus, Absolutely. I, I, just for those of you that are listening that are wondering, Bert also does work, you know, a traditional oh, nine-to-five, so... Um, you're very gaming saturated, my friend. I, I, I don't know if I could do quite that much, but my well, hat's I mean, off I, to you. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's a chance to hang out with my friends, see people and talk to people that I don't get to see all the time. So, you know, it's worth it. You know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of schedule wrangling is worth it. You know, when it comes to things like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially the, the fact that, I guess when when I had a stretch that was that intense was when our group was very local. And this was uh, before you came to the Nerd Cognito table. We had a core that was incredibly local. In, in fact, um, everyone was just a stone's throw away. But I don't count that as, you know, individual sessions because if we ran a Friday, Saturday, Sunday... And then a weeknight, even though it was, yeah, it's four days, but, you know, kind of the same thing. Um, and then I had a, a couple of offhand groups there, but uh, you definitely are the king with seven out of ten. I don't think I've hit seven gaming days out of ten. Conventions or whatnot excluded, of course. Right, absolutely. You never count a convention. that You can have five game sessions in two days right. in, a, in a convention. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe this year the conventions will be a thing again that's viable for me, but, uh, not until all of the social madness, both, you know, we had the pandemic, so that shut them down. Right. And you've got this, this political angst thing that's, that's very big in the world now. And I'm not looking to go to a convention to have an argument. So, so that's sort of shut down. We'll, we'll, we'll see what the 2023 con circuit brings. And, uh, Hey, if we get a great sponsor, maybe nerd cognito live from, from one of the cons, but again, knock on wood, cross my fingers, hope that just that entire scene, it's very chaotic and without, you know, and without getting into the ugly parts of it, I, I just don't want to welcome chaos into my life. I create enough of my own. So, um, <laughs> but to answer your question, how much is too much? Yeah. I mean, I think that if it was interfering with my work, if it was interfering with my ability to spend time with my wife, you know, if it was, you know, then you're bordering on something like addictive behavior rather than just having fun. Right. Right. And I, and I think the conversation would be very different if uh, your beauty were sitting at home waiting for you to to arrive, and that's not the case, so no, I I, I just again hats off to you for balancing that sort of thing, man. Uh, it's I guess it's very life situational, and it works. Right. And like you said, it's not impacting any of the other critical areas. So why the hell not? You know, right? Is it something I'd want to do in every ten day period? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Sleep but, is good. <laughs> you know, but a marathon week now and then is a, you know, is a fun thing. It takes me back to, you know, when I was in high school and we were playing, 
you know, games five days a week. Right, right. You know, it was the, we've got this hour and a half, but yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm thinking back to those, you know, pre-teen slash early teen days where it was super focused, but we only ran it for like an hour and a half, two hours, because, you know, AD&D really lent itself to be able to start and stop. And, it did. And now we're seeing just with the the various stuff that's out there, unless you're going pure OSR, not that there's anything wrong with that, you do need a bigger chunk of time. So I get it. I get it. What's your board game session play, or is that yet to come on the schedule? Uh, we actually played Mezzo on Friday. Uh, I was talking about your, your other board game group session. Oh, that's uh, that's upcoming. We're looking at possibly a uh, couple of different things. Uh, one of the one of the things that we've kicked around is uh, Great Wall. Another thing we kicked around is because uh, it's not kind of it's kind of up in the air what we're still going to play for that one. Well, and that's the beauty of, of board games too. You can just walk into the room and just blindly pick something and throw it on the table. So. I, I've never, I've not had the chance to play Great Wall yet. Um, I, I know I was really amped up for it when it came out, but you know, ooh, new shiny, ooh, new shiny, and it, and I forgot about Great Wall until you just said it. But I've heard nothing but great things about Great Wall. So it is a very, uh, it is a very interesting game. I love the like the design and the components are really nice to it. It's, uh, I played it. I've only played it twice, but both times had a great time playing it. Certainly not a fifty dollar game, though. By any means, no, means. no, it's a, it's a, it's a bit expensive. <laughs> which brings us to the next thing on our agenda for today, Bert. Which is, ugh, the best board game. You know, me and my fucking lists. This list is courtesy of Review Geek. Um, the best board games under fifty dollars, and I really have to question whether the author of said list like had a stroke or something before he wrote this article because okay these are not the best board games under $50 he has them All right. he has them grouped uh thusly co-op party single player two player card based obscure and, okay and four younger kids so uh, just just very quickly going through the list. Best co-op game, Pandemic. Mm. That's fun. It's okay. It's okay. I have nothing against Pandemic. I think that it certainly stands the test of time versus other games that were released in its era. But best co-op game under 50 bucks? Eh. Yeah, no. Uh, best party game, Ravine. Don't know because party games blow. Uh, best other than other than Cards Against Humanity, I'm not much of a party games guy. Best single player is uh, Unbroken, which had a lot of buzz and drama behind the the Kickstarter. But from everything that I've experienced, and I did have a chance to look at a preview copy of it, and. Full disclosure, I did not play the released Kickstarter version because I was underwhelmed by by that port sort of uh, peak that I had. Press your luck as a solo game, just not my thing, you know? Okay. Uh, best two players, Seven Wonders Duel. 
Okay. Okay. Eh, I mean, again. Seven, Seven Wonders is a good game, but the the dual, like the strict multi, uh, two player dual version, I've never played. I don't know how I would rate that. I mean, it it's okay, I guess. Best card game, Fort. Uh, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. No idea. It might be the best card game. Never played it, and it doesn't spark my memory, and I tend to think that we're rather on top of at least the hotness in the board game community. <laughs> I would like to think so. Just quick summary for us. Fort is an easy-to-learn, very portable game for quick matches of feeling like a kid again. If the premise is that you want to grow your list of friends, so you build a neighborhood fort or like treehouse or something. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, I guess best obscure game. Well, that's vague. Uh, yeah, they, that's... they put in potion explosion. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And the yeah, best okay. for younger kids. Who cares? Because there are no kids at my table. So, including my own. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want people to to think that. I just hate all children. My own are not welcome at the table as well. Uh, so, yeah, a very underwhelming list. Here's one thing that I think the author was specifically targeting. With the exception of Pandemic, everything's box playtime is 30 minutes or less. Ah, see, so he went for shorties. But it's nowhere in the article saying that that was the criteria for his list. So I don't True. know. You know, people in the gaming pop media are generally retards. So I, <laughs> I, I, I just chalk this up to another just terrible list written by someone that just wanted to get a couple of clicks. Hmm. I think we can do a much better job. All right. Do you want to go category by category or just pick out a few? Who gives a shit? It's a $50 game. Um, I think we could separate them into co-op, competitive. Uh, off the top of your head, what's a great game that doesn't break the bank? 50 bucks or less. Uh, Otis comes to mind. <laughs> Otis certainly does come to mind. and it was It was great. It was fun. And we got it. For a song. We did get it for a song. Uh, the original sticker on it was 80 bucks, though. So do we include okay. it in this list or do we not include it in this list? And if you don't know what Otis is, go back to nerdcogdino.com or to your podcast provider of choice and search for our rundown and review of Otis, O-T-Y-S, a spectacular game that fell through the cracks and is super cheap in distribution because it didn't sell as well as it should have. Still under $40 everywhere I see it online, so I think it counts. Okay, so that'll that'll certainly count on our list, and it definitely has our endorsement. Um, I am peering around here in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I am going to say, in general, the Ravensburger co-op games that have been popularly released in the last zero to three years at Target. So I'm talking about Jaws and Back to the Future, all the IP games that are generally co-ops, 
but they're also generally pretty decent. Uh, Alien, Fate of the Nostromo, falls into that category. Um, it's interesting. You know, they got this license, and Ravensburger has this formula. They're all generally playing the same, with the exception of Jaws. Um, and they're fairly decent co-ops. Uh not expensive, great way to break into the hobby with co-ops. And they have IPs that people recognize and know. So there is a whole slew of them. There's, without a doubt, the I guess the best of the best in that series would be the Jaws game, which, believe it or not, I was surfing online the early Black Friday deal stuff, I saw it for less than $10. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. If I didn't already have it and I had anybody that was interested in it, I would have just bought five copies for throwaway gifts. <laughs> exactly. But um, the, the best of the best being Jaws, I thought the Alien game was fine, and Horrified. Horrified falls into that category as well. Although I don't know if that's... Was Horrified Ravensburger? No. I don't remember. Eh. I'm babbling. You got another <laughs> one for me, Bert? How about Mysterium? Mysterium is a great game. Is it less than 50 bucks MSRP? I want to say no. I think you can mm. have it on sale for between 40 and 50 bucks if you're right, cautious. I mean, the... Uh... The the big uh, the big Zon has it for forty three ninety eight right well, now. Well, there you go, there you go, under fifty bucks. Mysterium. I like Mysterium. I know there's a lot of people that don't like Mysterium, and I hate Dixit. So go figure that I like Mysterium. Uh, Mysterium. Dixit would have been another recommendation. Mysterium Light as. Well, it, it, not even Mysterium Light. It's just Mysterium without the theme, right? Right. And Mysterium has a couple extra, some call them wonky mechanics, but I, I think it adds more to just a picture on a card sort of a game. You know, while we're thinking of games, Sheriff of Nottingham was another like pretty low-cost, sort of fun little game. Yeah, I want to say it's a 20 or $30 game, and if you're looking for something in that half-an-hour time period... That certainly fits more than more than the terrible list. Ah, whatever. We threw out a bunch of games. Uh, our list is way better than anybody else's list, but that's not news to any of our listeners. Right. Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> uh, it's the news. What's in the news this week, Ryan? I was excited at first. I went to pull up the news before we went on the air, and... I had a very light list. In fact, I think I only had two stories. And it turns out that uh, I saved the other stories elsewhere. So I really did have more than two stories. Uh, all right. So there's more than two of them. There's more Get than me. two of them. We're going to start out with some Wizards of the Coast shit upon news stories. Because why not? Um, Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering recently did a panel and had some 
interesting things to say about where Magic the Gathering is now, 30 years after its birth. Hmm, okay. Most of it is not complementary to the business strategy of the creation of the game. Garfield expressed a lot of discontent that the game and the game's design now versus then is much more skewed to be a collectible instead of being at the core what it should be, which is a game. It's hmm. it's it's a very interesting take. Quote, the people I was working with in R&D were trying hard to keep focused that the idea on this idea that this is a game first. As if you treat it as a collectible first, then you are not doing your game players any favor. And he goes on to to say that, you know, unfortunately, Wizards of the Coast had a slightly different opinion, and he was able to maintain that game philosophy from then-founder of Wizards of the Coast, Peter Atkinson. Now, Garfield thinks that the original principles have sort of been set aside. Now buy our $1,000 collectible with no legal gameplay value because we're celebrating our 30th anniversary that you helped us reach. Following up on that philosophy of putting the game first, Garfield went on to say, quote, this conversation was one that would be had a lot in those days. The people who wanted to maintain the collectability were arguing when we would make decisions which would undermine the collectability in in favor of gameplay. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the cost of some of these Magic 30 box sets? It's not just the Magic 30 box sets. I mean, they've been doing things for a while now that I would think are in that, you know, whole collectible over gameplay era. Look at all the secret lair drops. Oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, they're either reprints of cards that were already in play or cards or, you know, simple cards that were, you know, intended to meet a theme, you know, Godzilla, Valentine's Day, so on, so forth. Right. And and I think that the the big thing is, you know, magic is clearly wizard's cash cow. They're not making it on D&D right now, uh, as evidenced by their last seven releases. Um and the trends that, that at least they publicly put out or that Hasbro has to with their earnings, because, you know, I'm a econ dorkus and I follow that sort of stuff. <laughs> but um, it's interesting to see that the granddaddy of magic echoes the concerns of the playing community, that it is just absolutely out of control on the collectible end of things. So just a different perspective that sort of makes me smile because at least I'm not crazy. And if I am crazy, at least I'm not alone. <laughs> so come on into the asylum, Dick. You're welcome. There's a sit seat for you at any time. Uh, yeah. Putting is served at five. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to play a game? I, well, I would always like to play a game, Ryan. You know this. Would you like to play a game with children? Uh, I've played dozens of games with children. 
Well, now you can pick up a game at Walmart, certainly less than 50 bucks that you can play with children. At least it's being marketed that way. Walmart is selling functional replicas of the Lament configuration, marketed as a, quote, child brain game and, quote, ability wait. training where your imagination is unlimited. It wait, helps to wait. build... <laughs> Go back. Go back. Did you say the Lament configuration? Les Marchands. The Hellraiser. Yes, Les Marchands Lament configuration. The Hellraiser Pubble... Pubble? Pubble? Puzzle Cube. That brings the Cenobites into the world. Yes. It's being marketed as a child's toy. Okay, I want your reaction. I'm going to pop some pictures into chat for you. This is directly from the product page at Walmart. Uh, so looks like, uh, you know, oh, Lord, looks like ads for, like, you know, Hellraiser 5 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you haven't seen this, uh, I will get these pictures to the powers that be, and they will tweet it out at NerdCognito on Twitter so that you can check out these pictures. They're amazing. It's wholesome, family, child, toddler-aged stock photos with the Lament configuration there, branded as a brain game. Ability training. Yeah. It builds self-respect and confidence, Bert. <laughs> um, as a as a Hellraiser fan, no, 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 no. The Lament configuration is not for children. It's not for people. It's uh, you know, I'm a huge Hellraiser fan. I I have seen all of the Hellraiser movies, including the terrible DVD ones and the new remake. Uh, um, and at no point. Should a child be near the lament configuration? Ah, the brain games. The sweet, sweet brain games. <laughs> we have such wonderful games to show you. Uh, now, to be fair to Walmart, I can't believe that phrase just came out of my mouth, by the way, but to be fair to Walmart, I am almost certain that this is a third-party China junk seller <laughs> that did this. I sure hope so. But it just goes to prove that there is zero oversight <laughs> when it comes to selling it. As long as they get their 30%, they don't give a fuck. But uh, yeah. So so how many lament configurations are you ordering for your little guy? Oh, you know, I want one in every room. You don't want to be, you don't want one not within arm's reach for for your 5-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. Brain game, Bert. Brain game. They're going to extract your brain and play with it? That's what you mean? <laughs> I have no idea, but if you uh, follow at NerdCognito on Twitter, I will make sure that the bitches in charge put that up on their Twitter. Oh, By the way, so creepy. we have ourselves a Checkmark Hero. Yes, indeed. Check Markiro on Twitter. Uh, he's getting some extra free plugs, too, Bert, because Elon has not yet enabled the ability for Android users to enable the check mark by paying for it. And really? I just ran over to the office building today to get an iOS device, and they turned off the ability to 
even purchase the the check mark on iOS. So I assume that there's something going on behind the scenes, probably with payment or processing. Uh, but Matt Barninger is our check mark hero for at least the immediate future, because until I can get the check mark, I'm just going to keep plugging him. Uh, you can follow him at Matt underscore Barninger, B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R, author and screenwriter extraordinaire, Nerd Cognito fan, and our very first Checkmark Hero. Thank you, Matt. I hope you enjoy your free plugs. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. We appreciate it. Uh, eventually, we'll have the checkmark. Come on, Elon. Jeez. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Last but not least, there is a experimental new science fiction setting mm -hmm. that will be revealed and it's very much a modern sci-fi version of Spelljammer. Interesting. It's so... called Prismanics and it's the brainchild of David Somerville who has created a lot of stuff, right? including a board game favorite of ours, Vast the Crystal Caverns. And uh, he, he also created a setting set for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition rules. Blech. Uh, but it's set in the Stone Age, right? This one is a modern science fiction. So far future science fiction, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition setting. And it looks good if it weren't 5th edition. Did I say um, that? So, unlike Spelljammer, does he explain how ships fly? I'm pretty sure <laughs> in the 400-page setting book there will be descriptions of how ships fly. Um, it, it's just amazing what independent creators that take a step away from the machine are able to create. Uh, he released a obviously pre-production trailer and a couple of stills from the book and everything looks good. It looks well thought out. If only, if only it weren't fifth edition, but I don't let that be the death knell. It, I'm interested. I'm interested. What, what else can I say? Right. I mean, a good sci-fi setting is difficult to come by. Uh, you know, I played in a few that were terrible of course. You know, I'm, I'm play, I've played a few that are okay. Right now we're doing Stars Without Numbers in one of my gaming groups. It is a uh, it is a fun game. It's not as number crunchy as uh, as a and d system. So I'd be interested to check this out. I do like those uh, sort of crunchy systems you can sink your teeth into. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it has some... some ability to be crunchy as crunchy as it can get running under fifth edition right uh um, right it, it's it's gonna be hitting kickstarter soon it might be up by the time that this goes to air but check it out prismanox p-r-i-s-m-a-n-o-x uh fifth edition far future science fiction so Space opera in fifth edition rules. Uh, I'll I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a look at least. And that, my friend, is the news. Oh, nothing mind exploding in the news this week. No, after I railed about 
you know, Ikea going and fucking themselves last week, I, I guess I subconsciously didn't want to pull any negative craziness out of the news. Because <laughs> if I was consciously doing it, I would absolutely look for it. But uh, in this case, no, nothing terrible whatsoever. So that leaves I'll us. Take that. Yeah, no. A, a pleasant news week is always a welcome news week here at NerdCognito. <laughs> yeah, we sort of uh, talked about it in briefly at the top of the show when we were expanding on the board games, uh, but I wanted to hold back because it's our official NerdCognito Better Late Than Never rundown and review of the tabletop board game Dudes on a Map area control action selection-ish monstrosity that is Mezzo. Um, Bert, I am sorry, first of all, <laughs> because uh, everybody, this was actually Bert's Christmas gift to me almost a year ago. Right, last year's Christmas present. We opened it up and looked at the uh, the cool sculpts and the figures inside. We started we to set it up. We never got once. it to the table. No, we started to set it up once. We had it on the table, and we were beginning setup, and something happened, and we played something else. I don't remember what the something is. Maybe it's other people showed up. I, I'm guessing that that's what it was. That's what it was. The other people showed up, and they brought uh, a different game that they wanted to play. So. So after that, it, it, you know, went to the shelf of shame, and there it sat for almost a year. I'm sorry, Bert. It's okay. Here's Not the thing. every present's a winner. It, it was a fun <laughs> game. It was a fun game. It was. No, I had a, I had a lot of fun playing it. Um, I don't think it's award-winning or earth-shattering, but it's certainly not a terrible game by any means. And it's one that I would play again. Um, it's just, it just sat there for a little bit. Uh, now, I have to say the instruction manual and the uh, the rules clarifications in it were terrible. Oh you know, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get there. I'm gonna tell folks what it is first. It's a uh, it's a game of area control ish, but there's also elements of action selection. Uh, what else am I missing here? Because it, it's it's really sort of like this mind bend of genres. It, if you had to pigeonhole it, it's area control, right? Sure, sure. I mean, it's area control plus. Like, I mean, with right. the codex and the calendar, it has almost a, a touch of the worker placement element. You know, with the special abilities and planning and combat and foresight, it's not just an area control, like there's an element, there's an element of you know strategic play to it. Right, it's a little risk esque when it comes sure. down to the combat. Um, it's all hosed down in Mayan mythology, which is wonderful, and the sculpts are absolutely gorgeous for the gods. Absolutely, not, not so great for the dudes on the map, but you know they're dudes on a map. <laughs> they don't need to be spectacular. Um, you control one of the Mayan gods and a tribe of its followers, and those tribes try to build pyramids, uh, make human sacrifices, uh, gain dominance and power over the area. Uh, right. Each god plays differently. They're slightly asymmetrical. 
Um, and there's different ways that you can score points for for victory. It is area control point salad. Uh, it really is a hybrid of all these different genres. It's it's tough to see. It's tough to pigeonhole in. Like yeah. you can't really shoehorn it into one genre. It's not particularly heavy, no. but there's a lot going on. So right. there's you're never without a choice. Um, in fact, I had the the choice to pass on a couple of turns, and it was a strategic pass. I always had other stuff to do. It wasn't that I was forced to pass. It's that I wanted to pass... Uh, it, it was an interesting play. Um, as right, you said, absolutely. the rule book was terrible. Tell them about it. Well, I mean, the so the rule book didn't even clearly define the elements in the game box. Like there were, so you've got your units, your champion, and your god. The uh, instruction booklet didn't even explain, you know, clarify whether or not your champion was considered a unit. When it comes to things that affect all units or, you know, destroy a unit or, you know, bring a unit back, the, the, does the champion count as that? That rule was never clarified. We had to go to the internet to find that oh, out. And within the first yeah. hour, I realized I needed to have the internet forms where the designers commented readily available for rules clarifications. I'm sure that there's an errata somewhere. Probably. But being a Kickstarter originally, and I don't know for certain that it ever went to retail. I I didn't do my homework on it. Uh, I well, doubt I, it. I bought it retail, so. Yeah, that doesn't mean it went to retail, though, right? <laughs> That's the, true. The stores the can store. buy those Kickstarter packages that are made specifically for stores. Right, exactly. Um, the I don't know. Um, it certainly is a very beautiful game. Um, the the board is double sided. Uh, the preliminary, you know, novice side, which is the side that we played on, has all of the helper icons and helper texts. There right. is a flip side of the board, which is the same board, but it's all thematic and it doesn't have any of those helper items. You would have to really love this game to know it well enough to to play on that side of the board. Absolutely. Yeah i I think it's interesting. Uh, one of our one of our players uh, did do some homework on it, and it turns out that even after the rules clarifications, that we had some significant rule misreadings, and we're not novices when it comes to board games by any stretch no. of the imagination, and. These were significant in the fact that it throws into question the entire scoring that we were doing. Um, right. One of the the key elements of the game is building up, I guess it's the following, I forget the specific game language. Devotion. Thank you. The devotion. Devotion. Right, and the, uh, fervor of your followers. Everywhere that it was applied, the rules were so ambiguous that we went to the extreme application of what we thought was very legitimate and correct. And it turns out that the devotion as we were using it was not intended to be that way. So the rule book, and we even commented when we were playing it, I would say it's on par with Barrage as far as beautiful game, 
want to love it, but the rule book killed it. <laughs> I don't know about killed it, but they really make it a, a lot more challenging. Like, like you know, you I love that Art Deco style from Barrage, but the gameplay on it is so wonky because we had false starts like three different times when we tried to play it. We we messed it up. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. I think that part of the feeling that it's a heavier game, and if you look online, you know, there's consensus that people rate it as a heavier game, but I don't know that it really is a heavier game as much as it is the rules are not clear and concise, and that makes it feel like a journey through mud as you're learning. So, it does. I, I don't know. Um, interesting, interesting game. I certainly def I, I like it. I will play it again. Now that we've played it, I think the, the next playthrough will be much more enjoyable because Absolutely. we have all of the bugs hammered out. But there is a learning curve to playing it, and there's going to... I would even say your first game is probably a throwaway if you decide to pick it up. Um, it is available in the aftermarket right now so um if you're going to pick it up and you're not fortunate to find it at retail like bert did um be prepared uh, it's about a 100 bucks but it definitely would merit some significant checking out to see if this 100 bucks is your bag i'm not saying it's a bad game i'm just saying because of the drawbacks in the play that make it feel sluggish. And that's just, again, 110% attributable to the rule book. Eh. Eh. So what do you think, Bert? Buy it, play it, or head for Z Hills? Well, I mean, I already bought it. <laughs> I gave it to you. I would definitely play it again in a heartbeat. I don't know that I would buy another copy for myself, especially since, you know, you're one of only two board game groups that I'm in. And I think the theme is more on target for our, our group. We tend to like those sort of darker themes, more esoteric themes, more eldritch themes than the other group that I'm in. So Fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm on the fence between buy it and play it. I really want to like it to the, to the point where I play it, but without a reprinted rule book, and I did just, just look at some of the errata that's on there, it's cleaned up, but only by 10%. So if the rule book was a 2 out of 10 before... With the corrections, it's now a three. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, rule book aside, it would be a buy. Right now, I'm going to say play it. If you can find a copy of it, play it. Um, if you are a miniature painter, you're going to buy it for the giant sculpts anyhow because they are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, it screams, you know, we opened it up and one of the guys at the table says, this just screams Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's true. The, the sculpts are super impressive. So uh, absolutely check it out if it sounds like it's your bag. You know, if you like the ancient Mayans and you like human sacrifice and 
You like pounding your head against the table, trying to interpret a rule book. Uh, it is the game for you. So Mezzo is certainly worth your time, but it may or may not be worth your money. So agree. Do your homework. That's that's the the law of the land here with Mezzo. Boy. And, and I mean, that's a good advice for really any board game. If you're going to sink an investment into a board game, if it's, you know, more than a hundred bucks, do a little research first. If you're going to hate it, obviously you don't want to buy it. I don't know. I went into Sleeping Gods blind. <laughs> I but went Sleeping in, Gods was amazing. I went into Sleeping Gods on It Looks Cool and Hype Alone. I did no deep research, but I got lucky, too, because... Not only did I go into Sleeping Gods, I went all in <laughs> to Sleeping Gods. Right. See, what I did was let you buy it, played it at your house, and then I bought my copy. <laughs> Why not? I was your homework. So, You know what else makes great homework? Making sure that you are subscribed to Nerd Cognito on the podcast provider of your choice. So wherever you're listening to us right now, and we're there, we're on all of them, Make sure that you smash that subscribe button. You can throw us a review. We always appreciate those as well. And you tell your friends to tune in and listen. Uh, everything from nerd culture to tabletop gaming to board games and, you know, whatever else the hell Bert and I really feel like talking about. <laughs> uh, but you don't want to miss a single episode. And the way that you can guarantee you miss nothing is by making sure that you are subscribed. So hit that button, tell your friends, do all that jazz. Well, we are out of our prescribed content for the week, Bert. Anything else nerdy you want to talk to the world about? No, actually, I think I'm pretty good. How about you? Uh, I... I I don't know. I, I'll know when I hear playback, but I do beg the forgiveness if my voice is a little off tonight. It just feels really coarse, and uh, if I don't sound quite like myself, I, I do have a legitimate excuse. The The little dude is upstairs. He's been nursing a fever that was as high as 104 today, so God, I hope he didn't get me sick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no one wants to hear about that fever. There's only one fever that they want, and I left my cowbell in the other room, so I guess it's time for us to wrap it up. My name is Ryan David. Again, thank you all for joining us. Uh, for those of you that are asking, yes, you can still be one of our checkmark heroes. Uh, just feel free. Venmo 8 bucks to at NerdCognito, and we will put you in line uh, for as soon as we can get it, you know. Um, but other than that, we appreciate you tuning in and listening and telling everybody. That's the, the critical step, is spreading the word to let folks know that, hey, there's this good show with this jerk on it and Bert, and you should listen <laughs> to it every week. So uh, I'm Ryan David. Thank you for tuning in. I was joined, as always, by Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!